Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. This is Hugh Ballou, founder and president of Center Vision Leadership Foundation, where we help leaders create synergy around their vision of being clear about your vision, being clear about where you want to be. There's a number of elements. And over the years, eight years plus, we've had some really exciting guests uh, on our show. And today is no exception. And, and, you know, we have a fascinating topic. We have just this fascinating topic today. Curiosity did not kill the cat. And it's about intentional leadership and living. And our guest is Shana Francesca. Shana, hello, welcome, and tell people a little bit about who you are. <laughs> yeah, hi, Hugh and David. It's nice to it's nice to be here. It's nice to be talking with you. Um, yeah, so my work centers around. I'm the founder and the CEO of Consonate. I am a public speaker. I facilitate workshops. The my work centers around intentional leadership and living. Um, and my formula for intentional leadership, uh, intentional and ethical leadership, is be curious plus be respectful times practice accountability. Um, and it follows the PEMDAS rules. So be curious and be respectful are in parentheses. And then, and then those are multiplied uh, you know, by practicing accountability. Because anything we want to be good at, we have to practice. And then, you know, curiosity and respect are nestled together in parentheses because, um, you know, curiosity with res without respect is intrusive and respect without curiosity is uneducative. Um, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah. so give us a little more about, you are an interior designer. Yeah. Now you're a speaker and your work focuses yeah. on intentional leadership and living. So yeah. what that is and what was your journey like and what's your passion for doing? Absolutely winding. <laughs> My journey is not linear in any way, shape or form. And that's really what it is to be human. So buckle up. I'm going to give you like a three minute tour of 38 years of my life. Um, so <laughs> So I grew up um, in an abusive household and in a religiously oppressive cult. Um, and so my entire life was, you know, my exterior facing life was inside of this cult and my interior life, you know, inside of my own home was, uh, was abusive. And, uh, and, you know, I spent a number of years, I didn't leave the cult until I was 26. Um, you know, so I myself was in positions of leadership and as I got higher and higher in leadership is when I saw more and more corruption um, and saw more and more harm. And, and as that happened, I was asking questions, and, you know, trying to hold leadership accountable, like, do you know this is going on? Um, and they absolutely knew. And that was like compounded on top of things that had already been done to me and a lack of accountability there. And so through that, through my own home environment, through the environment, you know, uh, of growing up in that cult, I saw very clearly what intentional leadership does when it's intentionally harmful, right? When there's lack of accountability, when there is lack of challenging of your perspective, when there is um, a holding of leadership in a godlike position, um, 
you know, all of these things become incredibly harmful. And so I, I, I really truly believe that my work now is an outgrowth of the way that I grew up. It was an, it was an inevitability um, because I had this, this, this absolute, you know, terrible experience <laughs> internally of what, of what harmful leadership does and how it breaks people down and how it takes from them. Um, and so I think my life's work has been to discover what is ethical leadership? What does it look like to hold yourself accountable? What does it look like to create community? What does it look like for your institution to be um, a bubble of life rather than a place where, where people feel like they're slowly dying, um, whether they can vocalize it that way or not? Um, and then, you know, add to that the fact that I own my own business and have for a very long time. And, and as I was looking to form my own business, was continually questioning, well, who do I want to be as a leader? What do I want to build as a business? You know, having been in all these different roles in the corporate world, um, having been, um, been a mentor, having had my own team working for me and with me, you know, wanting to take those things that I learned in those leadership positions and in the corporate world and create something, a, a company that I'd actually want to work for and that I wish had existed when I came out of college. Um, and, and, through, and what's interesting is that through my interior design work is, is how I got here, right? So my philosophies as an interior designer very much hinged on the fact that I knew what it meant to be not safe in your physical environment. And I was creating these environments for people um, coming to the table with them and saying like, who is it that you want to be in the world? How does this space, how do you want this space to support you and your dreams? What do we, what do you know, what do you want to do with your life over the next one year, three years, five years, and really creating like a business plan for people's lives. And then, you know, creating that physical environment that supported them much in the way that, uh, you know, a stage, uh, a stage set sets the stage for a Broadway play. You walk in and you have some sense of what's about to unfold and it supports the actors and what they're portraying, right? That's the way environments should be supporting us and us moving through our lives. Wow, that's brilliant. You know, you yeah. see so many people that are defined by their past and they're limited. And um, I have a psychologist friend who says, some people live life to the level of their dreams. Others live life to the level of their wounds. So I commend you for stepping up and defining your space in the world. Our, our definition for leadership is very simple in, in Center Vision, it's leaders are influencers. And you've mm -hmm. demonstrated that. So, um, and you've got your own business and you can yeah. your own future and you're step out, you have stepped out on a limb. We, any of us who are entrepreneurs have stepped out of the, oh, the, for sure. the corporate space to do our own stuff. So yeah. there's, there's a bit of bravery going that. So. Before we go on, I'll let David ask you a question. Um, what is um, intentional living life design? Are you asking me or are you asking David? You. And we'll okay. The next one. So you so okay. business in the, talk about it being intentional. Yeah. You define a, a, a bad side and a good side of intentional intention and leadership. So there, there's lots of bad leadership and lots of bad intentions. And there are ways that leaders... Uh, isolate themselves so they don't know what's going on. Now, in your case, they, they were the ones that set up the evil stuff. So talk a little bit about, more about intentional living and life design. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I want to start someplace. I don't really consider things a binary bad or good anymore because I don't know too many people who wake up in the morning and think I'm evil and I want to, I want to hurt lots of people. Right. And so I think it's really important for us to recognize that by labeling people bad and good, it causes a whole world of issues. Instead, if we just recognize that people are people and recognize that at any given moment, any of our singular actions can be harmful to one group of people while beneficial to another, it starts to create a lot of nuance that I think is lacking in our understanding of how we are in the world and how we um, and how we move through it and the ripple effects of all of our actions, right? And I think that's the beginning of accountability is the recognition of how powerful we truly are and how everything we do has effect on the world around us. Um, but my definition of intentional leadership and living always comes back to the, you know, the formula of be curious plus be respectful times practicing accountability. And when we do all of those things, we kind of move right into intentionality. Like as we start to get curious and apply respect to that, right? We start to say, okay, if I'm curious about someone's life, I first have to establish trust and respect that relationship to gain the right to have access to someone's story, right? Like I, I, and even then I don't, I'm not owed their story, right? But like, if I wanna be able to gain the access to ask someone like, share your life with me. That's a very vulnerable thing for someone to share with you, right? And that's that's a lot of hard-earned information. So we, when we get curious about someone's life, we have to establish respect and trust in that relationship first. And then by practicing accountability, we become accountable for the information that we learn and applying it and making sure that we are aware of the uh, impact of our actions as we take them and move through the world. And then when we do all those things, we're able to to build true community around ourselves and be part of a true community rather than creating this hierarchical structure with a lonely leader at the top. Oh, so well expressed. If you're listening on uh, watching us on Facebook Live, uh, this is uh, the nonprofit exchange. We're here every week at this time and we interview a thought leader and certainly we have a powerful thought leader. And David, um, she spoke about her 38 years of experience. How did you get so smart and being so young, Shana? You're just like, you're just very perceptive <laughs> and you're just, you gave us a whole bunch of sound bites and just, you know, 10 minutes of this interview. So I'm excited already. David, yeah. or you got, yeah, I know you got a question. Boy. Oh, I have a two part question for you. Oh boy. All right. You Fire know, away. Was, you know, I really have to respect your vulnerability in expressing it. You know, having the grown up in the, in the uh, circumstances that you did, you know, you obviously were limited with the outside world to a degree. I, I must, if, you know, if it was a cult style arrangement and your family was involved in it, probably didn't see a lot of the world. So who are your mentors? And, you know, who do you envision that you've gleaned all of this transformation from? Who's in your head now? Oh gosh, there's so many mentors in my head. And my, you know, mentors, because I didn't have access to the world around me. And let me clarify for people that in a way that might help them to understand when you grow up in an, a religiously abusive environment and an abusive at home environment, usually there's a correlation. Um, there's nowhere that you're safe. 
and you are limited to access to all kinds of things. For instance, the level of control in my life was down to the fact that I wasn't allowed a, like to have a proper lock on my bedroom door. I wasn't allowed to close it and, and have any privacy unless I was getting changed. And then it was only allowed to be closed for the very, like one minute so that I could literally change my clothes, right? Like it was, there was a level of control everywhere in my life. Um, and, and so, you know, there isn't, when your parents are unhealthy people, they do not surround themselves with really healthy people. So it's not like you have access to physical human beings who can pull you out of it because your entire life is encapsulated in trauma. And so the only place I had to turn was books and, and books took me from a place of indoctrination to education, right? And that was a very long process for anybody listening here, right? You don't, you don't undo like 26 years worth of indoctrination overnight. It took me, I left that cult, but then I went to another church similar to it, thinking that um, it was the church itself and not the belief system that went along with it and found the same pattern starting to happen in this other church. And then I left that one and I went to another one and then found the same pattern starting to show up in that. And I was like, wait a second, it's actually this belief system um, that's leading directly to this thing. And so, so all of this time I'm educating myself, I'm reading a variety of different books and, and trying to, to cultivate, like when you start cultivating curiosity, you don't even know what questions to ask, right? Like you're curious, but you don't know what you don't, you know, you're trying to figure out the world around you. You don't know what direction to go. And so books really helped me to focus on that. And I start with, I started with, um, you know, people like Eleanor Roosevelt and Jane Austen and like started reading, you know, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, and I, I read uh, like C.S. Lewis, his nonfiction work. I've actually only read one of his fiction works <laughs> um, because I was allowed access to C.S. Lewis uh, as a, because he was a Christian writer. Um, and, and then as I got older and I got a job, I was able to like buy a variety of books. Now the mentors in my hat are people like James Baldwin, uh, Mia Birdsong, who wrote this incredible book called How We Show Up. And I think it's a really important book for leaders to read because it talks about what is the formation of community? What does that look like? How do we participate in this world together? How do we, how do we actually create something that we haven't really been taught how to do? Um, because we've been taught about the nuclear family, but we haven't been taught about community and what does that really truly look like. Um, and, uh, you know, other, other incredible writers, I'm reading a book by Akaya Winwood and Rajasvini, um, Rajasvini Bansali right now called Leading with Joy. Um, you know, I'm always reading something from someone who's a thought leader, who's, who's diving into their own curiosity so that it can help continually foster my own. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of mentors in my head, you know, including people like Brene Brown, um, Maya, Dr. Maya Angelou, um, you know, lots of, lots of mentors in my head. I could go on forever, but literally books saved my life, yeah. saved my life. Well, the, the second half of that question, um, you know, based on everything that you've said now and how you were raised and the transformations you've had to go through, tell us a little bit about your current spirituality. Where, where do you sit yeah. with your belief system? My belief system is one that I'm still working through, right? Like none of us has the answers and I certainly don't either. Um, I, 
I'm going to put this in a way that's going to sound funny, but for right now, I've put sky daddies on hold, right? No, there's no sky daddies. Like there's no puppet master in the sky for me. Um, I do believe that we are all deeply connected. I do believe that there is a power there. I don't know what I call it. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to define it. I've gotten to a place where I'm just curious about what that is and what that looks like and reconstruct and, and just constructing my own what is what is my what are truly my beliefs what actually feels okay and safe for me um so that's the place that i'm at i'm in a place of questioning i don't know right well that's i appreciate your candor that's yeah good. thank you so that's that's very wise um i served christian churches for 40 years and i served one of those twelve thousand members and there was a important celebrity was getting married and this preacher was a salesman you know he took this church yeah. to be huge because he said when are you going to join the church and you know if you don't ask a question you, you don't get an answer but yeah. but he asked asked this to the groom while they were waiting to go into the wedding he said you know this is one of the most powerful preachers and most well-known preachers in the country the guy says sometimes i really doubt my faith and the answer he got from this preacher was so do i yeah. so when we quit trying to we, we quit discovering we could quit discovering that yeah. or just accept the status quo you know there's a lot of manufacturing things so your wisdom still i say far exceeds your linear years so this is really refreshing to hear this so um yeah. your website and we're going to show yeah. it in a minute i don't know how you say it it's uh consonate consonate c-o-n-c-i-n-n-a-t-e dot world for people and i'll it'll be on the podcast narrative for people but why that name and what will people find when they go there yeah so okay first part of the question what why consonate it's a word it's a real word and it has a beautiful definition so i'm going to read it for you it means to arrange or blend together skillfully as parts or elements put together in a harmonious precisely appropriate or elegant manner and I read that definition and I was like, that's it, right? Right, it's about harmony. It's about what's precisely appropriate, but not perfection. It's not about perfection because perfection doesn't exist, right? Um, I, I love to say to people, if you, if you wanna be perfect, you're gonna be perfect at exactly one thing, absolutely nothing. And so it's better to move forward in the, the way that feels a precisely appropriate for, for you and for the people, like as a leader, right? We have to move forward in the way that feels precisely appropriate that um, we, in a way that we understand the impact of our actions on the people who are going to be impacted. And we take accountability and responsibility for those actions. And we are, um, and we are moving forward in that the way that is precisely appropriate for that, right? Um, and so when I saw this name, I was like, it, it encompasses everything that I do and everything I talk about in such a beautiful, precisely appropriate way. Um, so I, you know, that's what I went with. Um, and what was the second part of your question? Um, so I'm going to show your website. When people go there. Oh, what are they going to, what are they going to find there? Yeah. Are they gonna find when they go there. And I'm, I'm showing it to people who are on the video. If you're on a pod yeah. podcast listening, you got to go consonate.world to find it. But tell us yeah. what they find when they get there. Yeah, so you're going to find um, uh, information, a couple of short videos. Um, you're going to find some digital workshops. 
Um, yeah, so the list of some some of the companies that I've worked with recently, um, I'm constantly we're constantly updating you know information there. Some of the places I've been published, um, there's information on there about me as a speaker. Um, you're gonna find lots and lots of information. Um, that's why I've, that's why we hit everything in the more button because otherwise it could feel a little <laughs> a little overwhelming. But you'll find my contact information. So, you know, there's lots of information there for people. I love um, I love to begin to usher people into curiosity and to, to you know provide some information to get them started and then hopefully you know they can they can you know either reach out to me for additional resources or they can continue that journey on their own what i see is a joyful person and you have overcome the limitations of your past but you know there's a bunch of um stuff <laughs> that yeah. happens every day so how do you stay connected to joy? For me, I had to get to the place where I looked at what is joy for me. And joy for me has become being present, accepting what is, not comparing it to where I wish I was or what I wish was happening while still setting myself goals and expectations for the next moment. And I may or may not hit them, but I'm still going to be headed in that direction, right? For me, goals and, and, and expectations or desires are like creating a direction on a compass, right? I'm not creating them in the, fit, in the fact that I'm like, okay, one year from now, this is where I have to be or I'm gonna feel like I failed. It's more like, this is the direction we're heading and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there at the pace that I get there. And I'm going to do everything I can to get there. But along the way, I might discover that that, that thing actually isn't the best course of action. And maybe I, I have to course correct and move around, right? It's the difference to me between getting like mapped directions and picking a direction on a compass, right? A direction on a compass, you you have a way of getting back to the to where you're headed. With mapped directions, you're like, wait a second, I can't make this left. The road's under construction. And then you've got to reroute, right? it's a little bit more rigid. And I find that for me, rigidity and life don't really go well. <laughs> so, so for me, it's just a matter of just direction on a compass and heading that direction. Well, and that's the, um, there are such things as SMART goals, but there's also SMART-er, which is ev evaluate and revise. Yeah. I think is, um, is really, really good. So um, I, I, um, I agree with David and you, you model what, um, Brene Brown talks about in transparency, vulnerability, uh, which is a really strong leadership trait. And so many of us are afraid of that. So uh, thank you for, for sharing that. David, yeah. what's brewing with you? Um, I'm curious, just for a moment, uh, if you don't mind, tell us who your ideal client or however you describe it, your customer, your client, um, or organization that you work with who do you prefer yeah. to work with um you know i i'm right now talking with the girl scouts um you know to come in and talk to them and 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 do some leadership workshops there um so you know a nonprofit is is great also it's really about what the leaders are trying to accomplish are they open to learning are they open to creating systems of accountability right because this has to start with them right um, one of the things that I talk to leaders about is the fact that communities, teams, organizations, they're, they're an ecosystem and they need to be a reflection of an ecosystem because you do not see homogeneity in an ecosystem, 
right? It's a whole National Geographic defines an ecosystem as a as a geographic area where a variety of organisms um, move and work together, supported by the land and the weather. And what I tell leaders is that leadership is the land and the weather. Leadership is the foundational vision um, and the um, support their people need to accomplish that vision. And the weather is the culture, right? And so what I'm looking for is either leaders who have already begun the transformation of their culture or are looking to move their culture into a more positive, healthy way. They recognize that the way things have always been done isn't a healthy way. And it's not the way anymore. And if you want to hire and retain great talent, you can't do things as they've always been done. And they never should be done as they've always been done because we learn and we grow and we recognize the ways in which our past behavior was harmful and we have to make, take and make corrective action, right? And so I'm looking for leaders um, who, are, who are looking to continue that work within their organizations um, or to you know, get, it, get it started and moving in that direction. Um, but also I'm, I'm, you know, as a speaker, I'm hired by conferences, by, you know, different organizations, by businesses who are, you know, having these conversations within their corporations. So it's really, you know, it's lucky because I, I don't have a specific niche, right? If you're a leader and you're working with a group of people, I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm here. <laughs> I, I want to work with you if you're interested in having those conversations. Great. Thank you. But that's so spot on. It's just uh, so you left corporate America, the security of a paycheck, to mm. break out and do. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. And we're talking to um, nonprofit leaders and clergy of all faiths here. Yeah. We are social entrepreneurs, and and we many times fail to realize that we are in fact running a business. And there's mm. all the systems that we need to have in place for this. Uh, it's a for purpose business, not yeah. for profit. So we. We're driven by our vision and our philanthropy, you know, the love of humankind is, is why we're doing this. So talk a minute about your leadership, your, yourself. You started a business, it, there's challenges with any business like any nonprofit starting up, but mm -hmm. how did you separate you and your business and how do you separate, you know, your own personal growth and your business growth and how does, how do you keep from the business owning your life? Yeah, those are great questions. Okay, number one, how do I separate myself and the business? I don't, because they both can. They are both connected to me. Who I am in my private life is who I am as a leader, and so they are inextricably connected, and I cannot separate them. So my growth and my business's growth are directly correlated, and they always will be. And leaders have to know that and have to understand that. You cannot be who you are. You cannot be one thing in public and a different thing in private. They leak. They leak and affect one another. Um, you know, uh, how, so that was the first, that was one part of your question. <laughs> what, was, what was the other part? Let me, let me reframe my question because I didn't ask it very well. Um, I get that and you cannot be different people. And, and, yeah. But that we have a, and, and especially in the nonprofit work, we have a crisis of burnout. Oh yeah. Yes. How do you create separation there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's simple ways. Our brains are really dumb. Okay. So sometimes you just have to make it really simple. Right. And one thing that I teach people is that scent is one of our strongest connection to memory and emotion. And we can use that to our advantage. Right. So a lot of times I'm working from home. How do I separate? How do I tell my brain it's time to be done working? 
it's time to relax. Well, I'll light a candle. I'll light a lavender scented candle. When I when my brain smells that scent, it knows, okay, this is relaxation time, right? And I can keep coming back to that. Yeah, there's nose blindness after a while and I don't leave it lit for very long, but I might come back and I might just, you know, after after turning it out, I might put some lavender oil on my on my wrists and just, you know, or or rub it in my hands and just take a, a breath in. There's ways that we can make simple action to remind ourselves it's time to relax because it can be really hard to make those separations, especially now that we're working more from home. But in you can do something similar within, you know, within your business environment if you are going into the office. You could have a specific scent that is only present in that office, right? And that you're not using elsewhere. You could you could listen to a specific rate. I've created a specific Pandora radio station that I listen to only when I'm working. Right. So like we can create these cues for our brain that can say this is working and then this is not working. Right. And we have to create these really basic practices to kind of remind us um, because visual cues aren't enough anymore. Our brains, our eyes are seeing stuff all the time. And so our our eyes are like done like at the, they're just done right so to create other ways to create cues for ourselves little subtle reminders that okay it's time to take a it's time to take a break it's time to take a moment away and the other thing i do is put my phone in the other room <laughs> i it can't be near me it can't be near me i have to leave it in the other room on silent i have to go away from it because because it's so easy for me to be checking a text message from a friend and then hop over and check my email, right? And to and to just go right from doing something for fun and do so, you know, my friends know, you know, hey, if I don't text you back right away, it's not because I don't care. And if it's urgent, you know, call me, right? And and if and if it's something where like you want to leave your phone not on silent, you want to leave it on so that you could hear maybe turn off all your notifications and just so that if it rings and you'd be able to tell your people, you know if it's emergency, call me. Otherwise, you know, after X time, I'm not present with my phone. I might check it once before I go to bed, but my phone is separate from me at that point. Or something that I loved, um, and the thing I'm going to implement again is having two separate phones, one that's just for business and one that's just, you know, so that I can leave the business one away and, and know that, uh, that that's a separate thing. So there's ways that we can, we can work with our brain you know, that's the cheaper way. And then the more expensive way is to have two separate phones or to separate our technology. <laughs> well, and my wife does that and tried to teach me that. So exactly that. Having a mechanism to take to yeah. manage yourself, care for yourself. Out, out, you're not what you do, you are who you are. So yeah, yeah. Shania, you've you've really we've our time has flown by and you oh, we could man. talk all day, but you got yeah, yeah. clients to work with and things to do. So we're gonna talk a minute about our community and then come back and give you the final word. What is it you'd like to leave people with? David, why should people consider joining our community? Well, that's a good question. I wish I'd have thought of that. Why don't you ask the Center Vision, the Center Vision community is is a, a safe place, it's a social media platform that is not social media. It's a group of like-minded people who share ideas, network together, learn from each other. Uh, we have a lot of content down there that, you know, members, whether you're a free member or a paid member, can. there's certain levels of content that's available. And we welcome people from all walks of life uh, to 
if they're interested in personal growth and 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 leadership, whether it's you know if you're from a cult, we'll probably talk a little bit before we we approve you for membership. But um, there's a lot of information, a lot of networking, and a lot of sharing. And every month, I produce a uh, we we don't call it a newsletter. That's a kind of a bad word for us, but we call it the updates. And it's like a little digital magazine, um, 30, 32, 34 pages. And we always ask for guest contributors. So if you're if you have a piece of content that you'd like to share within the community to get a little more exposure for yourself and impart some wisdom upon some people, you're more than welcome to not only contribute, but get on our list and you know keep abreast of what's going on in our world. Better than I could have said it. So it's start for free, centervisioncommunity.org. It's centervision, or you can actually go to nonprofitcommunity.org. That'll take you to the same place, nonprofitcommunity.org. It's for philanthropists, people that want to show their love of humankind. And we do enter, we do ask people why they want to be in here and what they want to gain. And we, we ask people not to sell to each other, but we're here to support each other. So Shanna, you can share some articles with us if you wish, and you can join and have dialogue with people. Right. These important topics. So what do you want to, so thank you, David. Shanna, what do you want to leave people with today? You know, getting curious. There's a lot wrapped up in being curious. Um, there's vulnerability because you have to acknowledge that you don't know, right? There's play and exploration, right? And there is, there is, um, there is an, a recognition that there's, there's more for us to connect to, right? Um, and and that, that perhaps we have reached the edge of what we thought ourselves capable, but there is more, right? Um, and so I think it's deeply important for us as leaders to get and stay create, uh, you know, uh, curious and, and be creative about the ways in which we are connecting with other people um, and to develop a practice around it. It's deeply important. Beautiful. You have given us lots of things to think about today. So Shana, Francesca, thank you so much for being our guest on the Nonprofit Exchange today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Terrific stuff. Thank you for watching the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.